Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. What's up, Mac Daddy? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, I just realized you just said that, and this this lawnmower outside of our, our studio here is going, so I hope that doesn't get picked up. No. Can you hear that? Just no. It's yeah, fine. It's, it's fine. What's going on with that? Wait, there's somebody else in the room with us today, though. I know. We got a, we have a special guest. We do have a special we got, guest. We got a rock star himself in, we, the, in the studio. Why don't you introduce our special, well, special you guest? Well, you You didn't want to mention it up. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> would you welcome? Would you welcome? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to the Riot Podcast? For his second appearance, I believe. At least. Second no. appearance. Pastor Chad Harper. The legend today. himself. That's right. Is in the studio. Welcome, Chad. The Riot Podcast isn't a WWE-affiliated <laughs> podcast, is it? Not, well, not yet. You never I need know. Pyro. We're open to sponsorships. I need pyro. You never know fireworks. what you would get. I need a code name. When, when Thank ba- you. When Barry's on and he's on, he's lit, and he comes out with these voices that we've never heard <laughs> that before. That's true. Yeah. So we just we Amazing. go along with it. Amazing. Yeah. Well, man, I'm glad to be here. Second one. Yeah. And the, the, the first one was almost one year ago. Was it? Like, what? Really? Yeah, because yeah. we were getting ready to leave to go on our mission that's right. trip. We talked about that. Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit. And so uh, that's 20 days away for us. So we're going a, a week and a half later. So literally, it's almost almost a year ago. I think I sat right here. I think that show was one of our top viewed shows. It wasn't was. It? Yeah. I think yeah. we had like 23,000 wow. right out of the gate. And then our shares were like, I think yeah. it was like four or 500 people shared that show wow, alone. Awesome. Yeah. Had and nothing I, to do with me, though. Promise. No, I think it was. I mean, a little bit has to do with you because your did. take on everything. But I think that con- whatever that what was that show about? Do you remember? Whatever the context of that show, it really hit. hit home. <laughs> Everybody's like, I uh, don't remember. I don't I remember. remember it was a year ago. How am I supposed to remember I don't that? Remember? That was fifty-two episodes ago. Yeah, yeah I don't crazy. Know. Long time, <laughs> but it was fun. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we're glad, glad to have you back. back. Yeah. One of these days, I need to go to the Bahamas with you. But you moved it. You moved the week. I did. I did. We uh, <laughs> we're taking seventy two. Holy cow! So seventy two. So is that like two or three cargo planes? It is three cargo planes. Yep. You let them bring sleeping planes. bags to lay on. How do you? Yeah, how do you they just uh, pack them in there. Yeah, they they the loadmaster <laughs> gives me twenty four seats to fill. And I get to fill it. So there's two planes technically. And so we actually have a group going Monday. And then we have another plane coming on Tuesday. And then the two that come on Monday, the two planes come on Monday, leave Saturday. And then the plane that comes on Tuesday will leave Monday. And it's a logistical, beautiful nightmare. And uh, But it's good. So 72. It's, it's going to be awesome. I've heard you describe these planes before. You know, people think about, you know, flying to the Bahamas. I'm thinking like, you know, a Learjet, something yeah. high, you know, just high. When you when you talk about your turbo like, prop, baby. I just pray <laughs> this thing gets over the water. <laughs> it it gets over the water. It only goes about ten thousand feet high. They're not pressurized, uh, but it's an organization called Missionary Flights International. They are phenomenal. These these pilots, uh, most of them are volunteers from major airlines. They land anywhere. Literally, they can land anywhere on a grass field. Amazing. You point and say, I want to land right there, and they work it out and do it. So this phenomenal organization. I've been flying with them for, for 16, 17 years. Wow. Yeah, 17 years, so great friends. So awesome. how many trips has it been? So 17, 18 trips over there? Or probably um, more a that? couple. We do two, three times a year. Wow. So a lot. probably then. to the Bahamas. Yeah, I've been going to the Bahamas since I was a child. I learned to swim there. Uh, the founder of Camp Bahamas 
is a dear friend of mine, known me my whole life. So he's a little bit older than me, so he's kind of like an older brother to me. But uh, yeah, I've been going to the Bahamas for 40 years. Wow. And we've been doing missions there for 20, yeah, right at 20 years. I've seen pictures of everything that you do there. So you serve in the community. Yeah, it's crazy. We, yeah. we built one of the few um, outside of America, honestly, the only one in the Bahamas, a Christian retreat facility. Hmm. So we, um, we'll pull, you know, six, 700 kids through camp, you know, there during the summer, but during the year it's, you know, men's groups come, women's groups come, hmm. um, from all over the country, from all the inhabited islands. Um, they're in the Bahamas groups come over from the U S so, but yeah, it's great. I mean, we can house, we house about 140 there. We've got a, um, a great kitchen facility, cafeteria facility, gymnasium. There's only a few gyms in the whole country. We have one, the only one on our Island we have. So Lots of fun stuff. Sports and arts mainly is what the camps you know, mm -hmm. do. Um, but it's it's an opportunity just for people to to gather together to learn about Jesus and be challenged. So the Bahamas, the nation of the Bahamas is a... It, is there a website where people yeah, can camp, check it out or camp donate Bahamas. if they wanted to support it? Yeah, campbahamas.com. Awesome. And uh, it's a great, great ministry, great support. Richard and Andrea Albury. So Richard actually is an ordained pastor. We ordained him at our church here in Orlando, Genesis Church. So we partner with him. Um, and he does a lot of cool stuff down there. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of that, so you are, you're a pastor at Genesis Church yeah. in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. So I'm an executive pastor. I have the opportunity to serve with my lifelong best friend. Um, so we don't know exactly when we met, but it was, uh, <laughs> fifth grade, fourth grade, somewhere along there. Um, you just connect. Really yeah. Well. So, but he's lifelong best friends. That's cool. I mean, just, yeah, it's great. So he's the leader. Uh, he's the lead pastor. I come on as his executive pastor. Got a staff of nine, um, have been just growing like crazy. Um, just spiritually through, through this, the last couple of years, God's blessed us immensely. So, uh, we right now, um, as, as we're sitting here and as this will air, we've got just at 50 students right now at student camp so mm. they're over in daytona beach wow. a camp called rush camp and so uh man yeah if you're hearing this when you listen to this pray for those students yeah. so uh um, it'll be great it'll be great so looking forward to hearing i'm gonna go join them uh, a little bit and uh and see what god's doing over there but exciting things genesis church yep. wow it's awesome so bob this weekend you um kind of got to teach at go church yeah i got to get out of my comfort zone pete so why don't you tell us a little bit about that what happened um well <laughs> what happened what happened um man this it's it's definitely pete says this all the time i'm stretched i'm stretched well last week i was stretched um uh, it's definitely out of my comfort zone but man what an honor and a, and a blessing it is pastor barry asked me to uh if i would if i would speak and if i say speak in front of him he'll slap me um he, he's like you're preaching you're not teaching so <laughs> Um, but he gave me the opportunity. I, I preached on John 14 and, uh, you know, just, you know, really just helping, trying to help people focus on, on Jesus. And just, it's really, to me, Pete, it's just the start of an amazing part of scripture. Uh, John 14, 15, 16, 17, it's just Jesus pouring his heart out to the people that he, he poured his life out to for three years as he's getting ready to go to the cross. And it just blows me away how, man, just Jesus' mindset as he's facing uh, the cross, his concern is for these these 11 guys that uh, he's just poured into. And and through that, I think he's trying to say the same thing to us, that, uh, man, will you, would you just trust me? 
you know, I, 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 I see the big picture. I get it. Would you just trust me? And uh, so that that was kind of the message. And you guys were awesome. So I passed. I yeah, yeah tell with... about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, jokingly, we were joking about this in the in the show prep. But yeah, I get I get my notes ready. I'm I'm ready to go. Like two days before, I, I, you know, I, the slides are set. Send a. I send my, my wife does the slides for go church and I gave her all this stuff and 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 then I sit down and talk with uh, I talk with Barry I talk with Chad I talk with you Pete and uh, you guys flood my mind with all the other things that I could I'm sitting there I'm sitting there with him on Friday we're outside on the patio and his wife comes out Crystal wife's comes out and sits down and I just start asking him questions you know I'm just trying to get understanding and she's like you guys are gonna he's gonna have this from Chad he's gonna have this from that and he's like oh my gosh he's gonna be crazy and I just looked at it and I said you know what what a blessing my I wife's thought, got my back I saw time. it as just a huge that he has all this different insight all this wisdom and all these things that he has um, and then to bring it oh, you guys it, are awesome it, was it funny. helps it, well, helped I, me, it helped me so much I talked to Bob on a completely different phone call topic yeah and the last thing right before we hang up the phone, he says, I said, uh, how, how's, how, you ready for Sunday? He's like, yeah. So what you thinking? So he, he tells me and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm, man, this is what it makes me think. 40 minutes later. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh my, what did I just do to this poor guy? But I, I did at the end, I'm like, you don't have to say any of this. I'm not telling you to say any of this. And he's so like, good. but I have to, I have to use some of it. And I'm like, no, I don't know. But next time we'll have that random phone call two and a half weeks before. It makes prep man, a lot easier. You guys joke, but I, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. You you helped me prepare and, and i i was awesome. there so i heard the delivery and it was spot on um Great. god used you and it was uh it was definitely anointed you were definitely well prepared and the delivery was very clean and people heard it and drew close to the lord in fact on memorial day uh, what a, a veteran comes up and gives his life to the lord uh, because of it and what an awesome time that was right what a story i just this this guy a vietnam vet and hmm. just broke carrying burdens for 50 years i mean and at first he's just like he's like god knows what i've done he knows the people i've killed and stuff like that he's never letting me into heaven and man we just shared the gospel with him and what just just i will never forget that day because of that so this so this gentleman comes out after church he comes up and he's talking to his friend that brought him and he's probably been drinking whiskey for his whole life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just part of his daily diet. And at the very end, in a celebratory way, <laughs> he just shouts out, man, I got to get home and get me some whiskey. You know? And I just started cracking up. <laughs> Whatever works, man. Yeah. It was just God funny. Be the glory. But in his heart, Amen. he was just joyful. Oh, yeah. And he's just saying he's got to get some whiskey he to, to go celebrate. celebrate. That's amazing. Oh, what a That's story. That's amazing. Great story. So what a day. What a blessing. Um, thank you, Pastor Barry, for the, the amazing opportunity. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Great. cool. All right, so today we're gonna we're gonna get into let's just change course real quick because we got we're gonna talk about some I don't know some some deep discussion possibly, but we're we're gonna talk about answers on sex, suicide, and politics. So we get questions all the time on on Riot Podcast, and people just want to know. I mean, we had one question one time. Remember about cannibalism? Yeah, remember that? Yeah. And so we started talking about cannibalism. <laughs> that was in the it's in the Bible, so they wanted to know about it. So we talked about it. Um, so, I mean, so today it's sex, suicide and politics. And so we're going to kind of, you know, touch on, you know, these subjects, but it's, it's our, our whole approach here is we want to do our best to help you, 
see it from God's perspective, from the Bible's perspective, but more than anything else, we just want you to draw close to the Lord through this. And so hear this. And so if you're wrestling with some of these questions on maybe sex or wrestling with some of these questions on certain things that we talk about, um, just let's just pray. Let's seek the Lord and um, really just hear what he has to say. Let me just go ahead and open us in prayer and then we'll get going. Lord, I just thank you. I praise you. Lord, we are just uh, just honored and blessed that Chad got to join us today and uh, to be able to talk about these questions and these subjects, Lord. And our heart's desire is just to point people to you. Our heart's desire is to answer this according to what your word says in context. And more than anything else, Lord, we are just so thankful that you love us so much. We're just so thankful, God, that we are able to be a part of whatever it is you're doing. Lord, we just want to be a part of your story, Lord. You're the one that is worthy of our praise. You're the one that we want to bring glory to. And so, Lord, help us today as we just speak your truth. And I just pray for the people that are receiving this and hearing this, Lord, that you would just pierce their heart. Lord, that you would just elevate them, that you would just bless them, that you would just help them be able to see clearly, Lord, what you are saying to them today. Change them. Transform them, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so opening statement today, Pete All right. and, and Chad. Man, I'm so glad you're here. This is awesome. Today we're going to answer some of our listeners' questions on hard teachings of the Bible. Today our main subjects will deal with sex, suicide, and politics. That sounds like a movie or something. Yeah. Without further ado, let's get to our first Well, I mean, question. like you go to church, and a lot of times you're not going to be sitting in a pastor's like, I'm going to say, hey, today we're going to talk about sex. You know, it just doesn't happen that much. So that, that's not, that wasn't your last sermon title? No, no, no. So no. today we get to talk about hold it. On, from hold, the, on. That hold on. What? Hold on. <laughs> what? You go to Rethink Life Church. Yeah. Your pastor's name is Rodney Gage. Yes. The gentleman, Rodney Gage, who I've known almost my entire life, wrote a book yeah. called Let's Talk About AIDS and Sex. Who? Pastor Rodney Gage. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a while Google ago. Google it. It yeah. is absolutely no, no, I've unbelievable. Seen, I've seen his book, but he doesn't talk about it too much. Well, he talked about it in print. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me, can I say one? Of course. Five seconds. When I graduated high school, Rodney Gage, Pastor Rodney, I love you to death. He gave me that book for graduation. I was so mad. <laughs> what I did not realize is that about a year and a half later, when I was probably throwing the book away, he had written a hundred dollar check and put it on the inside oh, cover and shit. I never opened the book uh, until then. And it fell out. <laughs> I had to say, I was sorry, but uh, let's talk about AIDS and sex. That's funny. Yeah, that is a true story. Oh, about that's that funny. Book. It took you My a year to find the year check. to find the check. So. That's hilarious. Don't you only have like a year to cash it? I no, don't know. Side note. All right. Question one, guys. All right. Same sex love. Yes. Romans one is a text that speaks about sexual lust, not sexual love. Is it proper to assume that same-sex love, not lust, is allowed in the Bible? Do we want to just answer that straight up? Chad, do you want to hit it, or do you want me to go for it? Go, start it. Now, I'm going to add, I got some stuff I want to add to that. All right, let me just read Romans 1 to give us context. Let's just do that. So, Romans 1, verses 18 through 32, it's talking about, or no, let's do this. Let's back up. So, Romans 1, 16 through 17, it's talking about, the righteous shall live by faith. So it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Okay, so that's talking about the righteous. And then the, the contrast to that is the wrath of the unrighteous, which is now in Romans 8, 1, 18 through 32. And that states, 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For it is invisible attributes, namely, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile uh, in their thinking and their foolish hearts uh, were darkened. Okay, so here's, now this is going back to this person's question. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immoral God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for the women exchanged natural relations for, the, for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, gave them up to a debased mind to do what not not to be done. So that is it in context. So again, the question is same-sex love in text, it's Romans 1 in context. That's what it's, they're asking us. Is it sexual lust, not sexual love? Is it proper to assume that same-sex love, not lust, is allowed by the Bible? Chad, thoughts? Well, I think it's biblical sexuality is where you have to go back to, you know, even the context of, of Genesis chapter 2 you know, with Adam and Eve and what the, the, the context of what biblical sexuality is. And I think we live in a society now that is trying to find everyone's own truth. <laughs> so with the truth of the word of God and the scripture in its entirety, biblical sexuality is, is a, a man and a woman. And I think that is it, throughout scripture that is, uh, that's given to us. It's modeled for us. And so, you know, for me, when I read this question, there's so many different avenues you can take. And depending on the, the reason why this question was asked, I think you have to understand the concept, um, and the principles behind that. But I think it all goes to what biblical sexuality is. Once you identify what biblical sexuality is and what that says about that, then I think you can begin to answer that question more along the lines of the flee from sexuality, you know, all of those things, first Corinthians, all of those avenues of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I guess maybe they're trying to justify something here. So I'm looking at it. If, they're talking about lust. Okay. So lust, not sexual love. So lust meaning are they, so are they saying that same sex love, which they're not having sex because they're not lusting. I mean, I mean, that's kind of what I'm, I'm sensing, but in context, anything to do with same sex, you know, is, you know, in the context of marriage or the context of actual having sex, the Bible is very clear that it's between a man and a woman. Um, I wrote in these notes here, I says, biblical romantic love is expressed in scripture as the union that only exists between opposite sexes, resulting in biblical family. When God looked for a mate for Adam, he did not find a suitable one from the animal kingdom, nor did he simply make Adam number two for Adam number one. He made Eve a person of the opposite sex. So 
That's it in context. You have to identify when he says same-sex love, what is love? Yeah. I was thinking the so, same thing. Because so when I read that, I, I was thinking, is he just talking like agape love? Or is this brotherly love he's talking about? Or is this, a, is this, if, is, is this sexual? Exactly. And that's why I say the context and the principle behind the question is very important here. Yeah. So if, you, if he is saying love, same-sex love, and you replace love with same-sex relationship, same-sex sex, same, you see what I'm saying? So yeah. whatever that word love is, but when I say, you know, when it says same-sex love, I know he's talking Romans 1 here, but there's a, there's definitely an issue with with sexual lust. Yeah. But same-sex love is, you know, to me, he'd have to define what he'd mean. He yeah, I mean, I, I can love a man uh, of the I love same all sex. of you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's love. But you I know? think if you, but he did, this person, I don't, good girl or guy, brought up Romans 1. So in context, that's the reason why I read Correct. Romans 1 in context. In context, that's talking about something that's outside of what God's perfect will right. is. Exactly. So that, if he's ta- if he's using that to give his question, then in context, the Bible is very clear that God wanted uh, man, uh, sex or love to be in the context of a man and a woman. Well, and if you, yes, and even take it farther. If it's in that context, and it's if if the love there is sexual things, sex outside of marriage, yeah. over and over throughout the the yeah. Bible, is is deemed a sin, yeah. right? So therefore, if it's inside of marriage, then you have to see what's biblical marriage yeah. and what does that look like. So yeah. it's a it's a tiered step process to get to an answer. Um, you know, that, that goes right back to, again, Genesis 2. Yeah. Adam and, Eve. and this is not us bashing on gay marriage. No, and this not is not all. us saying that, oh my gosh, if you're gay and all this, we, no. we hate you or it's all bad or whatever that that's do not hear our hearts. on not that. At all. We, we look at the Bible, our worldview, especially on this subject is that we believe that the Bible gives us what is the very best way to live. Correct. Okay. What is the very best way? What will get us uh, to walk in a way that's holy and that's pleasing, that's righteous, and that's in the position to to bring God glory the very best in our life. What is it what we are positioning ourselves to do that? And according to the Bible in context, we we believe that if you're living in a same sex marriage or you're you're having sex with the same sex, um, that it is not the very best and and it will hinder your relationship with the Lord if you're not, following what the Bible says is the very best. That's what we're saying. We're not saying God hates you. We're not saying that he's rejecting you. Correct. We're not saying any of that. We're just true saying fulfillment. That's it. That's and that's it. what I think a lot of people are lacking is true fulfillment. What does it mean to truly be fulfilled? We believe that the context of the Bible, the things that are written in the Bible will ultimately bring you lasting true fulfillment. Yeah. It would be, it's a, it, in the, in the context, like you said, in the context of what the Bible says your, your sex life will be more enhanced. It'd be greater. It would be blessed. It would be anointed. It would be, like you said, fulfilled in a much deeper way. That's how we see it. That's how we understand it. We're not trying to take a side here. We're just saying from God's perspective, this is how we view and see this question. Bob, thoughts? Well, I was just thinking while you're talking about sex, you want to jump into question number two? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Question number two, is oral sex a sin? And in context, actually, the Bible doesn't specifically address the issue of oral sex. It does differentiate between marriage, heterosexuality, male and female homosexuality, 
bestiality and incest, but it really doesn't get into the specific acts that take place within those relationships. Yeah, again, you have to, the context. It's the, is oral sex a sin? Are we talking, you know, inside or outside of a marriage relationship? You know what I'm saying? So any sex outside of marriage is, is, is considered a sin in the Bible. And so this question as incomplete, as, as complete yeah. as it may look, yeah. is still an incomplete thought. Right. You know, and so... Um, that's where I would have to understand the, again, the context of how is that ask is if it's inside of a marriage relationship, if it's done out of a, uh, out of, out of a biblical view of what that relationship is, you know, I think there's more freedom there than outside of the marriage bed outside of, a, you know, of, of what that looks like. So I think it, it, to me, depending on how that was asked is, is that's two completely different answers. Well, to that question. I've been asked this a few times by, uh, different people within the church. And I think, uh, one woman said that she just feels dirty doing it. Um, and so I, I think that maybe that's kind of where they're coming from. Another one was, um, uh, do I have to have anal sex? And they wanted to go into this whole thing. And I'm just like, well, let me just, let me just say this. If, if one of the partners is not wanting to do something, um, then it's probably wise not to do it. And I, and if within the context of marriage, um, but if both partners are in agreement and, and they're doing it because of whatever God is, however God is being okay with them in their life to do that, then fine. I think there's, there's room there to be able to do that. And I think Chad, you brought it up as far as, you know, outside of context of marriage, then yes, I mean, there's a difference, but in marriage, I believe that God gives us a lot of freedom to do a lot of yeah. things. And I think we should allow ourselves to do that if God is, if that is, if you're comfortable within the spouses. I believe true sexuality inside the, inside of a marriage is supposed to draw you closer together. Amen. And so anything that would draw you apart. Yeah. I would, I would, I would not do. Yeah. And if the spouse doesn't want to do, like I just said, anal sex, they don't want to do that. I don't do no, it. And that, it's and it's okay. Me, and to yeah. me, that's a very clear line yeah. in your relationship and your marriage that 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 has to be set because it's supposed to draw you closer together that's the purpose of it it's yeah. not it's not even for just strictly enjoyment as much as it is to draw closer together yeah. and so to me that's that that's how i would answer that yeah. um in the context that it was given yeah and then i understand people wanting to are asking that question because there are a lot of people that struggle with that and they're like is god okay with that well, if it's if it's in the context of a marriage and both parties are on agreement with it, then yes, God is okay with that. So there's your answer, Bob. I've heard you say, Pete, before um, when you're talking about this issue that the garden is large or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> go play in I it, man. I, I forgot. I go have this. fun. Yeah, that backyard's big, man. Just go do it. Go have fun. Oh, Here we go. Oh yeah. boy. All right. Question number three. This one's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, you used to live in Utah, so you probably know the answer to this. <laughs> Is, polyg is polygamy, did I say that right? Is yeah. polygamy okay? I've noticed that the Bible doesn't go into great lengths to shame Old Testament patriarchs for having several wives, although Deuteronomy seems to forbid it. Why would the Bible seem to be for one man, one wife at one part and not condemn those who had multiple wives? It even says that David was a man after God's own heart and he had several wives. Is that the last? Oh, that was yeah, the question. That's the question. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's it. That was the whole question. Yeah. Well, that's a big question. That's I know. a big question. Well, there were multiple questions in there. Yeah. So let's break it down. The first one was just simple: is polyg is polygamy okay? And then they asked. Uh, the next question was: Why does the Bible seem to be for one man, one wife at, in parts of the Bible, and not condemn 
um, those who did have multiple wives. Yeah, I think it was Solomon. And there's another, that... and then they put in a statement about David, basically giving you an example. Okay. I don't really. They they could have mentioned Solomon. Probably would have been a better example. Why don't you answer? Yeah, I mean, I'll, with... I'll 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 kind of break it down a little bit. So, um, I I've heard numerous people, you know, say, um, and and the thing that they get into is, well, the Bible doesn't forbid it. And so when people are looking for, well, the Bible doesn't forbid it. it just because the Bible doesn't forbid it doesn't mean that it's accepted. Um, I've heard people say um, a description doesn't mean it's a prescription. So just because it's described in the Bible doesn't mean it's prescribed. I like it. Right? So there's 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 polygamy, especially in the Old Testament, numerous times, even some of these people that, you know, that, that you've mentioned here, um, you know, it even says that David was a man after God's own heart and he had several wives. If you if you look at even the story of David, right, you you see David and that was his downfall. You know, with Bathsheba, which which led to murder, and so it's it's never uh, celebrated. Um, I I think we uh, I think it was um, Lamech was the first man mentioned in the Bible that was a polygamist, and he was he was not a good man. So nowhere in the Bible is it celebrated. Even Abraham and the story of Abraham and all those things. So just because it's mentioned doesn't mean it's as, as, as Pete was saying earlier, it's what's best. Yeah. Right. And the Bible does mention, as we've stated, one man, one woman in a, in a relationship together, you know, to the, to, to build that trust and that love in a home, leave and cleave, you leave the, the home of your birth to give. So that's what the Bible does celebrate. So if I look at those two things, just because the Bible doesn't come out and forbid it, doesn't mean it celebrates it. And just because it's described doesn't mean it's prescribed. I always ask the question too, because I've had, I've been asked this a lot, and and I ask the question, well, why? First, the question is why? Why do you want to have be in polygamy marriage? Is it are you lust? Are you you know are you just horny and you just want to have another woman and you don't want to have another guy? Whatever that I mean, guys wouldn't work, but a woman would. But why is it? it what is it being driven? Well, I'm just saying, two guys together. Can you imagine the macho guys? They're going to oh kill each goodness. other. Women, I can see that why it is, you know, in the Bible, how that worked a little bit more. But that's the question. I mean, why? And then from a guy's perspective, I mean, is it how hard is it for you to please your wife now? I mean, to have more than one wife, it's going to be different. So there's there's no doubt there's going to be problems. There's no doubt there's going to be issues within the marriage. And, um, you know, Bob, you mentioned that there's a lot of polygamy that's in in. Um, in Utah, well, there's certain, I mean, there's a head wife and then there's different wives that go behind and they always go in line, but there's always division within the family. There's always uh, hardship. There's always feelings that are hurt um, within that. So I, I can, I can say this without, with certainty is the Bible frowned upon it. The Bible is definitely, um, is definitely not saying that it's the best thing to do. It's, it's definitely saying that it, this is something that, you know, it's better to be between, you know, when you leave your mom and dad, you're cleaving together, as it says in Genesis, that you're cleaving together as one. It doesn't say you're one plus one plus one. It's just it's, as one, you're becoming one before the Lord. In the body of Christ. I mean, yeah. you have to look at you know the marriage is, yeah. as far as what, you know, Jesus, the church, you know, all, all those things. So what's celebrated? And so what's best? And so I think that's, and, and I, I that's think, of, I think of, I don't know why I just brought a thought of Hosea and, and Gomer, but you know, you look at, there's certain elements of, there was prostitution led oh, there. There okay. was a lot of poverty. There's a lot of things that happen in culture where the man would come along and he would take this woman off the streets and to help her. And, and so, yes, those, those were times where there was multiple wives for that reason. 
Um, you know, it's much better that they be within a loving home, a husband, and then do that. So that happened. I don't, there's just so many reasons why it happened. Uh, I think from Solomon's perspective, he just wanted to experiment. I, I, th I think he pretty much says that, right? He's yep. like, you know, everything's vanity under the sun afterwards. I mean, Chasing he tried everything. Wind. I did everything. But I don't <laughs> recommend that. Yeah, And then he, at the very end of it, he says that does not that, work. Well, like I said a moment ago, true fulfillment, right? What are they trying to be fulfilled by? That's and it. so, yeah. all right, let's move on. I don't want but one. <laughs> no, I've got a great one. I'm, and that's the other thing. The Bible tells us to be content. Yes. Be content. Uh, yes. You know, guys, listen, if you're young, your, what God has brought into your life as far as your wife, that is a blessing. Oh, be man. content there. Yes. Get your eyes off of looking at other women. Yes. Stop it. Just be content with what God is and, and thank him for what he's given you. I agree. I think that's the problem a lot of times. They're looking for more and more and more. Just stop. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've given me and be content with that. The grass is not always greener, Pete. It is not. It's greener where you water it the most. <laughs> Amen. Right. All right. All right. Question four. How is a Christian to deal with a spouse who has no interest in sex? Ooh. That's, a, that's a tough one. Well, read the context statement and then All we right. can This is a very complex question with several different possible things to address. Thus, we may only make general comments. Uh, as most are aware, a husband and wife should not defraud one another except by mutual consent. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. The King James Version uh, uses the word defraud. That's pretty strong. Mm. And I use it here because it brings up an interesting point. A theft is taking place. However, your question is not whether this is wrong, but what rather what should one do about it? One must not jump to conclusions about why this is taking place. Having no interest in sex may be the result of several things happening in a person's life. There may be emotional struggles with past abuse. There may be a present issue with a relationship with God, with their relationship with God. There may be a medical impairment, which is causing a lack of desire. There could be, I mean, there's lots of things that could be going on, guys. Yeah. Um, Chad, do you want to hit some of that? Yeah. So for me, um, you know, again, whenever you're answering questions, you have to, un there's so many, there's so many, who ask it? got to be very careful. What's, yeah. what's, what's the context in it being yeah. asked? So it's not one answer for no, all? And it's all? No, and it's not even, it's not even just not one answer, but you have to be so careful. And I, you know, I'm so guarding my words even today through these because yeah. you don't want to give anybody a green light to do something right. or a red light to stop something right. that that just is not relevant to their situation so now that i've said that i would say how is a christian deal with a spouse who has no interest in sex get to the root of the problem yeah that would be my my first method is just get to the root of the problem if sex inside the marriage is supposed to draw you closer together and one, one uh, spouse has no interest in that, I would have to ask the question, why? Why? What is broken? What is What needs to be restored? What needs to be mended? What needs to be fixed? And so there's so many different things other than just, you know, well, you're supposed to, it's your quote unquote job, don't defraud, let's do, you know, it's, so there's, if, if it's meant to be a bonding thing, then what is broken and then get to the root of that problem. Whether it's counseling, whether it's physical, mental, psychological, there's so many different avenues of that. But what I would say to the person that is interested in having sex with in, in a relationship when your spouse is not, just calm down. Hmm. Just pause. Hmm. Figure out what is broken because once that brokenness is restored in whatever it is, when, when it gets back to that point, you know, then it will be sweeter than it's ever been before.
Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, part of it could be uh, sexual abuse or struggles from past. Part of it could be that, I'm sure, and that's what you're saying. We need to get to the bottom of it. Part of it could be medical impairment or there's something that's hurting or there's something that's happening in, during sex and they don't want to talk about it. That could be the case. But I think a lot of it is going to, truthfully, it's going to come down to the relationship with the Lord. Um, if they're not in a surrendered relationship with the Lord, then there's going to be a... Um, you know, there's going to be, you know, I've, I'm just going to give a story. There's, there's a spouse that didn't refuse to have sex with her husband just because her husband's an idiot. I mean, just, just plain out, he did things that he shouldn't have done. And so he would come in and sometimes he would be drunk or sometimes he would be, you know, messed up or something like that. And then there just, there was an imbalance in, in the walk, in their walk with the Lord. And there was an imbalance with their walk together, uh, under God. And so because of that, there was one side or the other was refusing to do that. And so I think that most of the, if this is happening, I think in context, most is because there is a, there's a relationship issue with the Lord. There's something that is not balanced with him. And that is what's causing the disbalance with that. But with that said, there are some past struggles in, in sexual sin and in hurting, and maybe psychologically there's something there. Maybe there's a pain there. And if that is the case, then yes, you need to get to the bottom of it and you need to get help and um, move through that. And if both parties are humble with that and understand that, then move forward in that way. Um, but in context, the Bible is very clear that we need to be in harmony with the Lord and that we need to be sexually in relationship with our spouse. And that's key. I mean, that's what God says that we are to, you know, the reason why we don't do that is a time of fasting, a time of prayer, or in, in a time to get closer with the Lord. That's the only time that we separate from having sex with our spouse. And I would say too, it's a communication thing. Most of the time, it boils down to a communication thing. Communication with God, the relationship is broken. Communication with your spouse. But one thing I would add to this, and even in our in our, our pre-prep for this, we didn't talk about this, but it just came to my head. Don't ever use sex as a weapon. Yeah, okay? never. So and, and don't don't use it as a. If you don't do this, I'm not going to yeah. have sex with and you. And that happens a lot. It does. Yes. And that is brokenness. And so that's one thing that I would say about that is. For both, and I do a lot of pre-marriage, and it's, for lack of better words, we call it counseling. I am not a counselor. Been married <laughs> 21 years, um, you know. So I, I do a lot of weddings. Just did a wedding a couple weeks ago, and I meet with the couple. We talk through things. I tell them from the beginning, I am not a counselor. I'm just giving you some advice that I received, some things that I've seen. If any red flags come up, please, I make them commit to go see a counselor. Yeah. But in one of those sessions, we talk a lot about sexual relationships and using it as a weapon. Mm. Um, and it, I'm telling you right now, it will destroy a relationship yep. Yep. faster than anything yep. when you use the marriage bed sex yep. as a weapon. Yep. And so that's something that I just want to kind of tag that onto that. Just yeah. And so that's, that we understand that. yeah. And again, that's the context. There's an imbalance with the relationship with the Lord. Yes, period. hundred percent. So that's something that's happening. I agree. All right. Let's move on to the next subject. All right. Um, and Chad, Chad already mentioned this about guarding your words. And I, I, I can't, I can't emphasize how important I, on this next question that that is. So let me just jump into it. Can you tell me where in the Bible it says that suicide is a sin and you won't go to heaven? Um, some context. Actually, the Bible does not teach that people who commit suicide necessarily go to hell. At various times, some people have argued that suicide sends you to hell because you don't have the opportunity to repent of it. However, failure to repent of a particular sin before you die will not send you to hell. Christians are kept securely in Christ. They do not slip out of or into salvation as they sin and then repent. 
Yeah. So, Chad, I mean, let, go ahead and share what you were talking about in the prep. But again, look at the question, though. So can you tell me where in the Bible it says that suicide is a sin and you won't go to heaven? So we just kind of clarified that a little bit, but talk right. to that subject so, a little bit. I believe the Bible teaches very clearly there is only one thing that will keep you out of heaven, and that is not having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once you have a relationship with him, Jesus and what he did on the cross for us, the shedding of his blood is the remission of sin, right? So let me first and foremost say that I know that there are other religions out there that teach, you know, that if you commit suicide, you don't go to heaven, you'll go somewhere else. And there's all these things. I, we can talk about that if you want, but, but just in general, the only thing that will keep you out of heaven is not having a relationship with Jesus. So when I, I read the question, can you tell me where in the Bible it says that suicide is a sin and you won't go to heaven? I can't. No, it's, it's not, not, there. not in context. It's not, it's not there not in there. context. Yeah. So, um, I will say on this, that suicide, suicide hurts so many people yeah. and it doesn't just, I know that the a person that, that commits suicide and I I've known people, I've, 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 I've had classmates that have done this. I I've known, I've done funerals of people that have committed suicide. And I can just tell you this on this side of it, looking into the eyes of a family member or a friend that has walked through what this is, is one of the most selfish yeah. sins you can. Yeah. And I don't care what you're, you're, you're thinking in your mind as far as relieving a pain or relieving this. If I, I, they'd be better off without, I'm telling you right now, that is not the case. Get help, seek help. You are loved. You are cared about more than you ever could have imagined. Yeah. And again, I think when people get into that, cause I've definitely talked with many people that have been in this situation. Um, I, 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 I find myself getting them to focus in on the good, uh, because they're so focused on the bad and the hopelessness, uh, that they can't see any good. And in your life, you know, whoever's going through this, there's definitely good. If you're breathing, it's good. If you have food, it's good. If you had a bed to sleep in, it's good. If you have one friend, it's good. If you have something um, that you can see that is good, uh, focus in on the good. And then more than anything else, and we always we always talk about this, is is, you know, the physical good is there, but there's always the spiritual good. God is good. And if you're struggling or if there's something that's happening or if there's somebody that's going through it, if they can find a way to just focus in on him, just to turn on worship music or just to sing praises unto him and allow his goodness to talk to him, I promise you that things will eventually work itself out. Now, if there's there's consequences to sin, so I have a friend that, that did do this and there's a consequence to the sin. He found that there was no hope and he was going to be in prison for his life and all of this stuff was going to happen. His wife found out about all this and all these things. And then he ended up doing it. And so his, he was saying, it's better for me to just commit, die and instead of going to prison for all eternity. But the, the reality is, is he didn't see it from God's eyes. So the, from God's eyes, he can repent of that sin. He can humble himself with his wife. He can go to jail, but he can also have a ministry within jail. He can still have an impact in people's lives. And he never saw that because when we see it in the light of Christ, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. 
and, and all is all. And so if there's something that feels hopeless, God can turn this around for good. You just have to trust him and surrender and draw near to him. And so that's kind of that thought. But if they wanted to, um, if there was somebody that committed suicide, I would write this down if they were tempted. I mean, if they're serious about this, find people that are counselors that are professional in this. They can find that at 1-800-273-TALK. 8255 1-800-273-8255 and um, just have that written down or something quick if you needed to help somebody walk through that anything bob on that yeah as you were walking through that story of your friend man it's just that's heartbreaking <clears throat> um it, it it reminded me of the the story of joseph and how you know he used well all that all that awful stuff that happened to him yeah. you know being thrown in prison being falsely accused all that stuff and he used it as a platform yeah um so god can god can use anything yeah i've heard it said that uh suicide is a is a permanent solution to a temporary problem yeah and uh it's chad said it chad said it best when he said it's just it's just probably the most selfish thing you could you could ever do and i know if you're struggling with it you're not you don't feel that way you just feel like it's the only way but it's not it just it just isn't things will get better. Nothing you've ever done will separate you from the love of God. Amen. God's love covers all. Yeah. So whatever you've done that you think is irreparable yeah. through God, it is not. Yeah. But I think a lot of people, they go to a dark, dark place before they decide to commit that act. Yeah. And in the darkness, there is no light. So when you shine the light of God on that, there is no darkness. Yeah. But I think people that are walking through that right now, they just need a little bit more of the light of God and know that the love of God, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Mm. Awesome. Again, 800-273-TALK. Yep. All right. Number All right. six. Um, what is the biblical view of capital punishment? Yeah. The Old Testament seems to allow it for murderers. The New Testament, I don't seem to find as much, except that Romans 13.4 talks of, uh, of the sword which is commonly associated with death as an instrument of execution. So we had a real fun discussion about this before in the, in the <laughs> prep, and, you know, and again, it's, it's a matter of, I, I'm okay with saying both are good. I, I'm okay with saying the Bible is talking in, in a context for both. I mean, it's, this is one of those very hard kind of subjects. I think the law, so like when a woman committed adultery, right, and she got caught in the adultery, the Bible is telling us to go out, take her out and stone her to death. I mean, that's part of capital punishment. That just seems so harsh, right? But then we talked about this, the, the woman that got caught in adultery with Jesus and he gets on the ground, he starts writing down and he looks up and says, who's ready to stone her? And they're like, they all fall away. And he says, well, I, I go and I condemn you not, you know, repent of your sins in, in turn. So he, he showed grace, he showed mercy. And I, and I believe, and we talked about this, Chad, I think the, the bottom line is we want to give people ultimately the the is amount of time to give their life to jesus to surrender to repent and if we're t if man is involved in this and he's taken away that option for that person to give their life to jesus yeah it's so, to me it's you know there's there's law there's interpretation of that law and then there's the you know the the carrying through of that the teaching of that and so for me when i look at this question i just think about the example of, of jesus and the example that you literally just gave his his, his statement was go and sin no more. He gave her an opportunity to repent when it was ready and willing for her to literally her life to be over and people to stone her. Jesus's example is nope, go and sin no more. My personal, and this is what it is. This is my personal. Okay. So my personal thought, <laughs> and I just want to be clear, right? 
So I don't want to ever be in a position to make that choice. Right. I just don't. Right. If if I am ever put in a position yeah. to make that choice, I'm going to err on the side of the example of Jesus. Yeah. And I'm going to say I'm. It is not. I did not bring her or him into this world, yeah. and I do not believe it is my responsibility. To- that life is given by God and life can be taken, but not by me. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm on that same page. And I, th- I've just, and we talked about this before, because I mean, I've met a, uh, a daughter, um, a lady that was a daughter of a, their mom and dad got murdered. And, um, she had such hate or such bitterness in her heart. And she came to know Jesus after the fact and found forgiveness yeah. in her heart. But, but in her mind, she was like, I'm good with now that because she was going to uh, this gentleman that was going to be, you know, she actually, she's not going, she went and she witnessed his death mm, the and execution. yeah, execution. And she was like, okay with it in her heart because she felt like, Hey, you took my parents. And I think this is a way that God is saying, you're doing, you know, you're done, you know, with, and he's allowing that. So I, I felt her. I felt it and I understood that. But at the same time, I like we like Chad, you just said, I'm at that point where like, I believe that God is like to the very last minute is given these people, you know, come unto me, repent. You know, I was talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, that guy was like ruthless as, as ruthless, even a cannibal. And he gave his life to the Lord and he understood and he had peace with death at that moment. Um, but you know, anyway, I I would not want to be in that situation myself. And so that's one of those, like, yeah, I mean, the Bible in the old Testament was there, but the new covenant with Jesus, he seems to be, you know, practicing more grace and mercy in there than he is by, you know, he's not telling them to pick up a stone and throw it at him, you know? So yeah, Jesus isn't practicing the eye for an eye. You always hear that, right? Like people that defending capital punishment, you always hear eye for an eye. But I um, said to you, right? Yeah. Turn the other cheek. Yeah. yeah. But again, we have to understand why the Old Testament, and we're not, this is a whole nother story. Yes. I mean, the, God is holy, you guys. We have to understand he's holy. He's set apart. In order for us to be in the presence of God, we have to be holy. Right. And if you're not holy, then anything outside of it is death, yep. period. Yep. And so we have to understand the context of what the Old Testament said. We're not going to get into it now, but because that's a whole nother show and a half. But 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 now with the new covenant, with Jesus, with his grace, entering grace and his mercy, it, everything has been changed. Everything is transformed. And so we can now look at things differently than we did from the Old Testament. Another show and a half. Yeah, that's a lot. Okay, that's, so quick, yeah, side, quick side note. So go back to the, the woman caught in adultery and Jesus is writing in the sand. What's he writing? Their sins. Yeah, he's writing. Yeah, he's writing the sins. Yeah, I've heard that too. I, yeah, uh, I don't know that what else. Sense. What is he going to say? I mean, we don't know. I guess, yeah. but that that's 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 yeah. a great answer. There's yeah. I've, there's a whole podcast. <laughs> that's another have, sermon and a half says, says, yeah. about <laughs> what sins he wrote, who's yeah. did he write uh, first, yeah. and who was the last one standing. Yeah. But obviously it was, it was the old guys left first. Right? I mean, it's, and if we knew, we know how Jesus answered. I mean, like who's, who do we get paid taxes to? And he looks at it and it's perfectly answered where yeah, they can't. Great. So whatever he was doing was perfectly answered. Yeah. And they were like, okay, I have no argument here. I have to just accept it. And what a perfect away. response. Yeah. All right. Here's a fun one. All right. If there's any fun ones. Yeah. Politics and pastors. Yeah. Should they or should they not mix? I've noticed pastors that lean one way or another. And in that way, they like to, they like to pull like-minded parishioners, parishioners. There's a there's a clue, and drive away disagreeing parishioners. Probably a math or they're silent in their political standing and does that keep the peace, so to speak. 
there's a call. Pastors have callings, and I think are called some to politics. I was just thinking of. Um, Wait, say that again. Yeah, sometimes I look at uh, Franklin Graham. So I'm just going to use him as an example. He um, he senses that he's a pastor for sure, and he's a, does an amazing job. But he senses that God has wants him to uh, bring up politics, and so he he brings it up, and he brings it up pretty boldly, and he takes a side on how he sees it from a biblical perspective. And so he, he, he talks about it and he, and he does that. Does that divide? Well, if somebody is seeing things from a different perspective, they're not looking at it from the eyes that that pastor is looking at, then yeah, it's going to divide within that. Um, we've kind of taken a different approach at Riot Podcast. We've looked at it as how does a Christian respond to a political statement from the way that God would per- respond? How does he how does he show love? How does he elevate others above himself? How does he speak life into that person? How does he look for ways to work with them in in compromise and in 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 that will more more or less bring glory to God through the policy or through whatever that is. Um, it, that's the way I look at it. I don't believe Jesus was political. I believe he was apolitical. Um, I think he looked at the politics in a whole different light. He wanted Pilate to come to, to him as much as he wanted Herod, um, you know, and he gave him, you know, opportunities just by his witness and by his testimony. But I don't know, Chad, your thoughts on? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up and uh, Pastor Barry could speak to this as well. So the pastor that, that I grew up with my entire life, Falwell. You know, yeah. yeah, Falwell, Dr. Falwell, um, who was a dear friend of ours and my family, you know, he founded Moral Majority, you know, and it was probably one of the most life-changing things for, you know, for our church when that happened. Um, He became a target for a lot of different areas, Um, but I'd known him as a pastor. I've known him as a friend. And so for me, I believe personally that a lot of good can come from it, but I believe that a pastor's job is to shepherd people. And there's a platform that is given to pastors. Um, There's a church platform at a church on a Sunday that is given. And I believe that for me personally, um, it is our our responsibility to teach and to inform the word of God into people's lives. And we can have conversations about politics, um, but even at Genesis Church, we don't use our platform on a Sunday to take a political side, if you would say, but we do teach biblical issues that um, that some politics slide into. Yeah. And so, you know, it's again, podcast and a half, right? Yeah. So, um, but what that looks like for each pastor is different. I'm not here to condemn any pastor for what they take. I can just tell you as a pastor, um, I have conversations about politics, but my stance is, um, my stance on many things is Jesus's stance, as you said, apolitical, but it's a stance of love. And I'm, I'm, I belong to the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of earth. And so that's what I'm focused on more than anything. And I think in context, now that I said it out loud with Franklin Graham, he's, he's a parachurch. So in his light, I think it's a little bit different than an actual senior pastor that's in. And and you said it perfectly. I think from a a pastor standpoint, he's the shepherd and the flock and to teach and for them. Bob, you have different thoughts? No, I'm just I like the way Tony Evans says it. He yeah. says, oh, I'm not, we don't ride in on, in on the backs of elephants or donkeys. We are kingdom men yep. and it. we represent the kingdom. Yeah. So if that, if that, if representing the kingdom upsets your political beliefs, that's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that like we, we said though, we do need to talk out. So like when abortion comes up in the Bible or in context, that's a political statement. It's a fire, but we do need to talk about gay marriage, certain things. There's certain things that we do need to talk about in context with what the Bible says in love and do it proper light. 
Um, but it is a political. So you ca we can't get away from that. We can't like, oh, I'm not going to teach that subject. Then we're not teaching the full counsel of God. We're, we're, we're doing a disservice to the body of Christ. You don't shun a topic no. that's right. mentioned in the Bible right. ever. No. You hit it head on. Yeah. And the, it's a biblical response to yeah. a political issue. Yeah. It's not a political response to a biblical issue. Right. Yeah, if we avoided all political issues, we would have nothing to talk about yeah. because everything right now is politicized. A lot of the political issues are, are, are you can put in a column of the biblical issues of what it is. Yeah. And the Bible teaches very clearly on some of those things. They're only, you know, polarizing is the word, I guess, yeah. um, because of the political parties affiliated with both. But the biblical truth is biblical truth. It doesn't matter what party you're Yeah, that's the with. problem that's is now the parties are so polarized that one is taking that topic and the other, and then it automatically associates the pastor. Oh, you must be conservative or you must be liberal because you take this stance. Well, it's not the case. It's what does the Bible say? And that's, that's the stance. All right. Do you want to do this? We can do this real quick. Just uh, question 10 and question 11. Okay. Real quick. Yeah. The early years of Jesus, why weren't, why were they not recorded? His childhood, his, his childhood, his teens, and even his young adulthood, the years Jesus was trying to get his wagon license. I think they're trying to be funny there. Yeah. It, it is kind of funny. Yeah. You know, that type of stuff. Why? So... You know, he lived on Earth 33 years, and we really only have record of the last three. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think I, is what they're I'll asking. just say my my take real quick. I believe that the the Word of God is the infallible Word of God, and it's it's God breathed. And if God if it's God breathed, and God did not want it in there, and so if God did not want it in there, and it wasn't relevant for us, I, that's the reason. I don't know why. But that's that's my thought. Yeah, I, I mean, I I totally agree with that. I wish they were. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, I think awesome. so too. I'd love to know Jesus the teenager. Yeah, you know, I'd love to see Mary and Joseph parent teenage Jesus. I mean, to me in my own brain, I'm <laughs> yeah, like, right? man, that would be incredible. But I don't think it. If, if you have to take the Bible as a whole, right? So I don't think it adds to the the greatest the great context mm. of the Bible. In, in itself. That's why I think it's only three years also that's recorded, not his twenties. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, it reminds me of John, I would love it. Uh, yeah. the end of the very last verse of John, John 21, 25, he says, if all the things were written or all oh, the yeah. things he'd done are written, you couldn't fill the books. The world could not hold the Wouldn't books. Wouldn't it be so. cool to know if Jesus was tempted to tag the temple? Oh yeah. I mean, that would have been so cool. Many, there were so many questions on that. Yeah. So many questions. <laughs> Who did he take to prom? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, where <laughs> what where did he sit in class? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Was he the quiet kid in the back or the kid that raised his hand? Maybe and this all the is questions? just so we'll have questions to ask him. I'm just I, yeah. I've got One so day. many. Well, yeah, I've got so many. That's a good question though. Yeah. <laughs> all right, last one. Why are certain books of the Bible worthy of canon or not? While some are, or some are not. What's wrong with the Book of Enoch or the Testament of Solomon? I've never heard of that one. Mm. For example. Um. Well. <laughs> It's based off of our transcripts and how we've collected our transcripts. And so if you look at the early, you know, we got transcripts, there's about three or four that we use a lot that are from the third and fourth century. Um, and then if we start comparing those through all the other transcripts that we've gotten, they've all been certain books that the early church used on a regular basis. And so we can say that that's where we came up with our canon. There's, there's other books, apographer books, or, or like Enoch and so forth, that we found later that we would confirm from the book of, uh, from the Qumran scroll, scrolls and so on. Um, I would say that those um, are more of a commentary. I wouldn't say that they are an actual inspired word of God. But if you look at, say, for instance, I've, been, I've studied the book of Enoch extensively. 
Um, if you look at the Book of Enoch and you look at it as a mosaic mosaic piece and you put it overlay over the Bible, you'll see come to life so many elements of the Old Testament that you did not really see because the Book of Enoch will help give you commentary. It'll give you understanding to what's happened. Example, the Genesis 6 story and Noah and so forth. So um, that's kind of where I thought. I mean, we've this, is, this has been argued for a long time, but um, yeah. yeah I, what's wrong with the Book of Enoch? Nothing. No, no, I think I don't think anything's wrong no. with it. There's just certain things that he talks about a man that's 800 feet tall or something yeah. like that, where they people just don't comprehend yeah. those things. So that's that. I think I think any I, th I think the Bible is the Bible. And I think, as, as Pete said, there's reasons why certain things are canonized. I, I think that that's very clear. You can understand that. But when it comes to adding things like this that accentuate the Bible, I think that's fine. I think it's not adding to the Bible. You know what I'm saying? It's just giving more context to even some of the things that are in there. That's good. Thinking of it as a commentary, that's a good way to put it, I think. Well, and like it that. helps. It helps it's really to light. It is. Yeah. But again, uh, I'm, I want to just say this, put it on record. I, I do not, I believe that the Bible is very clear that it's, it were done yes. with, with scripture. And I believe that the book of Mormon uh, is not Holy scripture. I do not believe that should be a part of the canon. Um, and I know that there's been arguments on that and we're, we actually are going to do a show on, uh, Mormons and Christians. So, all right. Coming soon. Yeah. All right. Any thoughts, last thoughts, Bob, uh, Chad, what, if yeah. there's somebody out there that doesn't know the Lord, why don't you talk to them and, and, and yeah, I was, um, you know, it was great. Bob spoke on Sunday and I, uh, I actually taught on Sunday as well. And, um, I talked about Nicodemus and Zacchaeus and I talked about how two men are polar opposites, but yet they had one common goal and that was to get to the, the feet of Jesus. The difference between the two is what happened when they got there. And so, um, Nicodemus, we don't know, we can assume, but we don't know if he ever chose to follow Jesus. We know that he's involved in the, you know, Jesus's burial and all those things, but there's not a, a Bible verse that tells us about his conversion, his choice. But with Zacchaeus, when he got in front of Jesus, we know without a shadow of a doubt, the choice that he made was to follow Jesus. And I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know if you're a Nicodemus or you're Zacchaeus, but I tell you this, we have all have a choice. And it's very simple. We can choose to follow Jesus. I taught on Sunday. It's as easy as A, B, C. Admit that you are a sinner in need of a savior. Believe that Jesus died on a cross for you and rose again. And then the C is choose to follow him. Amen. I invite you, if you're out there, wherever you are listening to me, if you've never done that, I encourage you to simply repeat the ABCs mm. and do it in a prayer. Prayers are talking to God mm. and say, God, today, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a savior. God, I believe that you died on a cross for me and you rose again. And God, today I choose to follow you. Come into my life and save me. We'd love to know if you made that decision today. So Pete, tell us how we can do that. Yeah, I mean, the Bible says if you did, all the angels in heaven Amen. are rejoicing right now. And then also the Bible says, go tell somebody. Yeah. You know, it says that if you deny me before man, I will too will deny you before my father in heaven. But if you confess me before man, I too will confess you before my father in heaven. And so if that's you, go tell your mom and dad, go tell your husband, go tell your aunt or your uncle or your best friend that you just gave your life to the Lord. And so that's just an exciting time. And we would love to hear from you. If you go into riotpodcast.co, C-O, click on the no God, you can just click on that button and say, yes, I gave my life to the Lord. Lord, fill that out and, and we would love to get in contact with you, get you connected with a local Bible believing church and answer any questions that you might have moving forward. Bob, thoughts? Go tell. 
we've been working through the book of John and just story after story after story. Somebody gets in, they, they meet Jesus and they, they go and tell somebody. So it's just, man, it's been modeled for us. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, first of all, you get to see, you know, Pete's amazing hair. So that's one reason As you want to watch on, on YouTube. So <laughs> make sure you click that subscribe button, hit the bell button so that you're notified every time a new one comes out and make sure you comment below uh, and just let us know what you like about the show. If there's something that you would like us to cover in the future, next time we do one of these tough questions, man, this is, this is one of the places we get those questions from. Yeah. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, again, make sure you subscribe and then jump onto our Facebook page and uh, just, just share the podcast with somebody. And that's one way you can you can tell people. So just share there, comment. Pete likes to know where you're where you're listening to us from. So in the comments section, just you, you like know, to know. Put in St. George, Utah, or wherever you're wherever you're from. We would love to hear about that. Anyway, guys, it was amazing. Chad, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, man. It's awesome. And uh, you guys had just have an amazing week of worship. May the Lord bless you and be with you. May His face shine upon you. God bless you. This has been the Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.